I'm Caroline, and you're listening to In Her Nature, the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. Welcome to the first ever bonus episode of In Her Nature. I said a couple weeks back we're going to be a bi-weekly podcast. I think that's the most sustainable approach to this project, but I have this episode today that I just felt like I really needed to get out the door. Um, As we're kind of moving into the summer season, we have one more episode about skiing that I really wanted to get out there so you guys could feel inspired, feel excited, and also have a little bit more time to plan your upcoming season. So I know you think, I'm so stoked on spring and summer, I don't even want to think about the next upcoming winter. I would say I agree with you, but also this is a great time of year to save some money on ski and snowboarding and planning your season. I said it in our episode two, the intro to ski and snowboard. Springtime is a really nice time to save money on these things. So if you're an Icon Pass or an Epic Pass user, um, those are ski passes that go to multiple different mountains throughout the United States and internationally, but they can be pretty expensive. But spring is usually when they're the cheapest. So I wanted to get this episode out so you could just get one more thought in about how to plan your upcoming season. I'm really excited. We're talking with my friend Elizabeth and Liz, who was on the running episode, actually. So Elizabeth is a badass skier. Um, I met her at the Ski and Snowboard Club um, at Madison. And then Liz is also a really amazing snowboarder. So this is a really cool episode. We have two perspectives this time, ski and snowboard. We highlight things like advancing to kind of new terrain. You might be comfortable on the hill, but you're not, you don't feel like you're progressing. How to kind of find confidence in this harder terrain. I will say we talk a little bit about backcountry skiing. I want to put obviously the classic disclaimer out there. We're not professionals. Take our advice with a grain of salt. If it's pertinent to your health and safety, please go talk to a professional about that. But we do talk about backcountry skiing, which I think is a really interesting topic. I would love to get more into it. It's kind of just scratching the surface. So if you think you're kind of in the range of comfortable on the hill, but maybe interested in pursuing different types of skiing, this would be a great episode for you. If you need to get in touch with us in any way, like I have an idea for the podcast, or I would love free stickers, or I have a friend that can't listen, but would love a transcript, you can contact us through Instagram DMs at inhernaturepod, or you can shoot us an email at inhernaturepod at gmail.com. Okay, last but not least, this is the thing I don't like to talk about, so I left it till the very end, but if you listened to an episode, you really liked it, it reminded you of a friend or something, we would really appreciate it if you shared our podcast with someone you know. That's kind of how we hope to grow in that kind of authentic word-of-mouth way. If you listen to an episode and you liked it and you think it's worth five stars, I mean, maybe just plug in that five star on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and then you could even write like a super nice review too if you wanted to. Um, I know that a million people ask things of you every single day, so we understand it, but that is a really nice way for us to grow, so we appreciate any support you're willing to give in her nature. since we've chatted can you give me updates so, so long I know like I haven't seen all three of each like it's so awesome to see you guys can you guys just give me updates on like where you're at where you're working what are you up to all the good stuff Lizzie take you- it away okay um all right well I'm currently in Missoula Montana um it's amazing I love it here so much I am a um working as a speech language pathologist at a hospital in Missoula and um 
yeah, I feel like this is the place that I've like, this is my dream area. Um, it has all the things that I want to do every outdoor um, thing that I want. And it just um, works going really well. I work four tens and um, I love it. And then in my free time, which is, I'd like to say, I'm not as much as I had in grad school, but I still find time to play. Um, let's see, ski season is like just about ending, like, but at the same time, just starting too. Um, like backcountry skiing is like gonna be the prime in the missions and in the Sealy Swans up in the Flathead Valley. Um, kayaking is in getting into season and um, trail running and mountain biking. So that's kind of what I've been up to, work and play. Um, I love it. And a, a good mix. I love it. You've always been the queen of just firing on all cylinders. I think all three of us have been, but the reason I was like uh, cackling was because of the kayaking. Like, <laughs> so we went out to visit Lizzie or Elizabeth in May. And then like Liz and I flew out to Missoula and visited Elizabeth. And we had this day, it was like the triathlon day <laughs> where we got up. What did we do? We went for a bike ride. Yeah, it was like 12 yep. mile bike ride or something. Yeah. Yeah, 12 mile casual bike ride along the river, a little hilly, but not too much. Yeah. And then tour campus, tour campus. Yep. Tour campus. Yep. Yeah. And then we did a nice long, like, I think it was like a 10 mile trail run. Yeah, that was sweet. That was really fun. Yeah, you guys are animals. That was my first time ever doing it. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, Liz, you and started like, good running. Good elevation gain, too. Yeah. And just like in Missoula. Um, Liz, you were like slowly running uphill. I remember this. And I was like, girl, we walked this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I have no idea what we're doing but I just wanted to be over with <laughs> but the cherry on top like the kick was the kayak or the okay can you explain it Elizabeth like what we actually it was did? just we we were whitewater kayaking yeah we, that's the um, word you guys you guys were in you guys were in IKs so inflatable kayaks and I was in my my so hard shell pumped up. We self pumped. <laughs> so we had to solo pump up. It took so long to pump up. Best Sorry. part was all of us in our white suits and nose oh plugs and helmets. Um, Reese was there, all, kind of like spearheading the whole thing. Oh, it's such a cluster, but in the best way. Oh yeah. So okay cool. amazing sorry to get us off topic already but that just when you said kayaking I was like oh my god um <laughs> just Liz and I it brings in back, the it brings back the best memories <laughs> <laughs> okay Liz what are you up to what are you yeah what are you doing what are you up to have you skied this season give us the update right yep um life update is that I graduated with my master's in December and then um basically just in like an in-between period with taking my exam and then applying for jobs so I actually was able to get out west and ski just for probably about a week in Utah. Um, just kind of applying for jobs in the Wisconsin area. That's kind of the life update. Um, kind of oh. doing a ton of interviews. Super intrigued by the whole travel therapy, doing like 13-week contracts and just bounce around Wisconsin. And I maybe take one out west in the winter months or maybe somewhere warm since I'm getting love. Old. But yeah, it's been a long spring in the Midwest. And I mean, out West, you guys have been getting pounded with snow. So it's been a long couple of months, but I think with more stuff to play, like Elizabeth, you have so much in your, in your backyard that you get to play all the time. Like for us, it's just like kind of a grind sometimes. So yeah, that's, I, miserable. Yeah, that's, a, that's a better way to say it. But then, but then it's going to be beautiful. Like Wisconsin summers are beautiful and you're going to be on the lakes and like, yeah, you can't tell anyone we, about we talk the about summer. <laughs> we have to we have to peep down about all the summers and all I'm the kidding, places. 
what do we think about these snow conditions out west though because they're actually kind of crazy like what is okay and now it's like absurd i saw that i got an email from i don't know if it was heavenly or palisades they're like extending it to april or something i was like that is so crazy like unheard of so so i yeah no i mean i i agree i don't know if caroline if you have anything to say but um i think that i mean the some the skier side of me is and the skier side of a lot of my friends are pumped that we can ski till april or june or something or there's even a couple places in like eastern montana like red lodge area where you can ski till july but also we shouldn't be skiing till that long like not like with environmental like climate change we shouldn't really be skiing that long i don't know um also i know that like a lot of people in like one of my college friends her family lives in tahoe and um i know they've gotten like so much snow and it's to the point where people can't even get out and like go get food and grocery shop and i don't know i think it's a little insane the amount of snow that they're getting in tahoe yeah, Tahoe, well, they have atmospheric river. And like, just as a huge disclaimer, I'm like not educated to the nines <laughs> on this. So I'm just talking out of my ass a little bit, but they have an atmospheric river going on right now. So like, I don't totally know what that means, but it sounds insane. Um, <laughs> but I, know, I, I love that. <laughs> they got it. I got an email today um, from Snowbird, which is like one of my favorite places to ski in the world, that they just broke their all time snow record like ever and the last snowiest yeah. season they had was 2011 or 12 I think right around then but and it's not stopping is the thing like it's just cr- it's crushing so I don't live there so I can't speak on it at all but it's definitely abnormal like we're definitely getting a swing in the other direction like I feel like the last four or five seasons have been pretty dry and like not the best to ski or be out there and now we're just getting like all the snow from the last like five years dumped on us yeah, so interesting. It's crazy. Okay, guys, this is a perfect segue into today. I kind of want to talk a little bit about like pushing yourself and starting to progress in skiing and snowboarding and just like, okay, you've like put your time in a little bit, you've gotten the foundations down, and now you are inspired that by these amazing people doing amazing things. How do you start to kind of take on those objectives and take on those projects? So that's kind of like the overall vibe of today. But um, yeah, I think my first question that I want to kind of start off with is like, do you guys remember when you kind of transitioned into into doing harder things on the mountain? Great question, Caroline. Um, I think that like, once you get into that, like that first stage of like, okay, wow, I love this sport. Um, well, first let's just say it, skiing and snowboarding is expensive to get into. And I think we just need to acknowledge that. I think we need to say that this is like a sport that needs to be a little bit more like, um, open to different varieties of socioeconomic status. And it, I'm like privileged to have been able to start at a young age and my parents were able to teach me and get my, I was able to get out on the mountain with my sisters. Um, but I think the big thing after you kind of like get all the, um, get all your equipment and are like wanting to progress more just to like actually ski and get out there it's great to go out west if you can or out east um, to go on some big trips if you can but um there are so many great places in the midwest to um to ski um but i think just to get out there and go as long like as many times with your friends as you're able to go with people who you're maybe are better than you people who are better than you are super helpful um don't just go with the people that 
want to send it off cliffs and you want to hit the moguls in the double blacks. Those groomers are where you're going to really learn. And I think that's a big thing for skiers is that we want to progress and hang out with our friends and go on these big double blacks and moguls and cliffs. But realistically, the only way you're going to progress is if you get the technique down. Um, so I think that's super helpful. Um, looking things up online to progress, to, to learn different techniques. Um, that's kind of, I feel like what I would say. Um, it doesn't matter if you go for a half day or full day, just get out there and ski. Um, people always like, I don't know, now that I'm out here living out here, all my friends are like, how many days have you gotten in? Cool. That's cool to brag about, but it's really like, how was your time spent on those days? What did you, what did you get done? What did you learn? Did you learn something from someone else? Did you teach somebody else? I feel like you learn a lot from other people. I don't know if you had anything to add. Liz. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think one thing too that's important to note is like me and Elizabeth and also Caroline, we grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, but we did have a hill that was like perfect to learn on. So we were super lucky in a sense where, and I know my school had like an after school program. And so just like getting that exposure and just being consistent with it and going multiple times a week. And it didn't really matter, like, like Elizabeth said, if it was a half day or a full day or whatever, but it was just going and going and going again. And too, like you said, it's just like fluctuating who you go with. Some people are going to push you and some people are also going to like allow you to have an easy day. And that's good too. Um, but I think, yeah, who you ski with definitely contributes to kind of the progression that you make on the mountain. And there are people who are like really fun and safe to ski with. And then there are people who are like willing to push you, but also like maintain that level of safety. And that's really important too, because you don't want to be afraid, especially when you're out west on like a massive mountain. I, I think going back to the safety comment, Liz, like, I, as, as someone who's a pretty like advanced level skier, but just like loves to still want to be safe. I think that you need to be able to like speak what you want to. I think as women, we get put into this category of, oh, we don't, we, we will just do anything. We'll just go with the flow. And I think that's a big thing as you're starting to learn to speak out for what you want. Tell people that like, hey, I'm not safe doing this. Or I really like to go on this run because this is what I'm comfortable at. Um, because that's another reason, another way you're going to get better. I love that. I also think you too skiing. And so Liz, you're a snowboarder, Elizabeth, you're a skier, just to make that clear. So we have two perspectives, which is really cool. Um, I remember the first time I skied with you guys, obviously the amazing classic trip to Jackson Hole, which I'm sure we'll get into later, but I was not comfortable skiing out West during that trip. Like I really pushed myself to go out there. I've had some time out West, but nothing like you guys. And I remember skiing or like being on the mountain you guys pushed me in the perfect way. It was like, you would watch out for me. You'd always make sure I was okay. But like, you would not hesitate to just like totally do your own thing. Then we meet up at the bottom or, and it just pushed me to like, hang on to your pace and stuff. So I think finding the group, it's a little bit coincidental, but like, I think this idea of communicating in groups and how you might communicate differently, I really want to get into, because I think the point you made of like, yeah, sometimes as women, you're in a sport with a lot of men, which is very normal. And like, we both, all of us have been in that situation. There's nothing wrong with it, but like, how do you guys, or how have you learned to communicate differently when you ski in groups versus when you're like out on the mountain alone, or maybe with like one other person? Um, I, I've had a lot of like, I'm mostly ski with, well, I ski with a variety of male and female partners. Um, but 
lately I've been doing a lot of backcountry skiing and especially with backcountry skiing, I think it's super important to communicate. Um, I have started with just like people that I don't know, just like group plan. Like what's the start to the day? What are our objectives? What are our safety concerns? Um, what are people, what are, what is everyone's level? Um, and kind of like talking about that right away, I think it's super important um, because you get to know who everyone is. Um, I've also, um, in long days, I mean, we're out skiing. Nutrition is super important. I get super crabby. I get hangry, as they say, as my mom would say. Like, I think you need to realize like, okay, I need a break at this point. I don't care if we go into the lodge or if we take a break from um, being at trekking uphill, but like, I need to eat. And like, that's my thing. Um, so I think, yeah, that kind of hopefully, I think starting with a group plan at the beginning of the day is really helpful and doing little check-ins throughout the day. Yeah, that's good. I um, <laughs> I feel like I don't have a whole lot to add, which is a little unfortunate because I know that I do ski like primarily with a lot of guys and like it's kind of our high school friends. One of them is actually Elizabeth's cousin and um, like they're that guy group of friends. They're, they are so awesome and they will like always do whatever to make sure that we feel safe and whatnot. But they also are men who like don't always love to talk and I'm like one of those like hyperverbal. I want to like da -da 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 -da. and so they're kind of like okay like we'll just let her do her thing and we'll meet them at the bottom <laughs> so a lot of my skiing is like I'm just gonna follow them and keep up with them and then when we get to the bottom I'll like tell them how awesome I thought that was and then they'll probably ignore me and then we'll like keep going through the day um but like <laughs> if I ever do feel super scared I would never hesitate to say anything they're all like just super kind and would be willing to help me down the mountain in any which way but another thing kind of bouncing off of that with like who I ski with and Elizabeth you are great at this I am terrible if I'm like leading a group on the mountain or like a couple other people because my like I am like directionally challenged on the mountain I don't know what it is but I have such a hard time when I'm on a mountain I'm like going down I just like end up doing the same run every time like all of a sudden I'm in the trees and I'm like, whoa, I was just doing this. So one thing I like with the people that I go with is that I feel like I get to go mountain. Um, so whether we really converse about it or not, <laughs> probably not. But at the end of the day, like I get to see a lot of the terrain that each mountain has to offer. But we do kind of do what Elizabeth was saying, where we have a game plan at the beginning and everyone kind of knows what that looks like. And there's always a group that will like stop in the lodge and eat lunch there. And there's always a group that'll stay on the mountain. And then at the end, we just get together and do like a little tailgate and kind of catch up on the day. But there's not like, we don't do a ton of like communicating. I don't know, that kind of sounds bad because I know that's what you're looking for, but. No, um, not at all. I feel like um, it's good because there are different dynamics in groups. So like, I'm kind of right in the middle. So like I ski with a group of people that I would say is pretty wide in abilities. Like we're all definitely like, I would say advanced skiers, like level three skiers but some have a higher tolerance for risk than others. So like some of the people I ski with, like love to huck off stuff. Like they just are magnets for cliffs and, or magnets for these huge lines or like, and this is still resort skiing for me, but like, like pretty advanced, like resort terrain where I'm like, I have to be mindful of like, I have to use my hands in my career. Like I cannot break a wrist or else like I won't be able to practice dentistry, you know? So like I have to kind of keep a lot of this stuff in the back of my brain where I'm like, yeah, I think I could probably be fine doing that. But if I'm not, like it's six months where I'm not, you know? So I have a little bit higher risk tolerance, like, cause I, I can't 
break stuff. So I think how we, and it's been a struggle, honestly, in our group, like we, there's been some tension for sure. And I think one thing that I've really tried to do is just like not be wishy-washy and just be like really direct with what I'm, what I think is realistic for me. So like, they'll be like, oh, I think like maybe we should try this area over here. And I'm like, okay, running through my mind, cliffs, rocks, like high exposure, a lot of powder. I'm like running through what I'm comfortable with. I'm like, look, I'll go over there, but like, I'm not going to ski the same run as you guys. Like I'll ski kind of like a easier route adjacent to you guys, but I'm not like, I'm not going to ski at the same pace. So anyway, I'm rambling, but the point I'm trying to make is check in throughout the run. So like a lot of times out West, these runs will be super long. And so like, if you just meet at the bottom, sometimes you won't get to the same ending point. So like whenever there's crossroads, like I'm, I'm sure we have a million stories of like people on other ends of the mountain, you know, but like, seriously, like if the, if the trail is splitting, like stop and wait for 13 seconds to see if like, you can just wave the right direction and everyone follows you. If you're leading or like, if you're the end, make sure that like someone didn't fall behind. I feel like these are pretty basic things, but I totally agree. And like, also people, some people, like we've all been out West and we've all like, maybe we all have gone to Alta or Snowbird, but maybe there's the one person who hasn't been there in a year or something, bring a trail map. Like, I know we love to be like off our phones and like, and like that's, we want to be off our phones, but bring a trail map so you can like actually see where you're going too. So I just wanted to yeah. add that in. Um, no, I, think that's I love that. Totally. Yeah. And if you find yourself like a little bit in over your head, like, don't be afraid to say something like I'm a little bit uncomfortable because then people will have like a more attentive eye. And obviously it's your responsibility to like keep yourself safe. But I've had to do that where I'm like, look, I'm really uncomfortable. Like this is way more exposure than I thought. And like, I'm not skiing well. Can you guys just like take it slow? And uh, the people that say yes are the people I ski with for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. They're the friends that you should keep in your. Yeah. Yeah. And it truly fluctuates. Like some days you can handle anything. And then other days you're like, what the heck? I like cannot catch myself. And I think like we were all saying a lot of times we're with a lot of guys, like it's okay if they're not verbalizing, but you feel like you're talking a lot, like just kind of balance it. But also, I don't know, like I feel uncomfortable sometimes when I'm the only one speaking up about stuff that bothers me and everyone else is like, I'm totally fine, you know? (laughs) So I don't There's know. There's definitely like, like you kind of once you like get comfortable with you know which guys are like gonna be like super receptive to your fears, and then others who are just gonna be like, okay, I'm doing my thing, so whatever. So totally. Kind of so one last thing to that um, is, and this has come from like extra experience in the backcountry, but I think it's super helpful when you're also um, resort skiing at anywhere. Read the snow report. There's so much that these like these um like avalanche like or these uh snow reporters like do in the morning they're the ones that check everything out the ski patrol check everything out so I think it's really important to read the snow report I've done it more and more even when I'm resort skiing um because it tells you how many inches of snow which we all want to know obviously but um just where certain winds are coming or what areas aren't safe um so I would do that too that's the last thing I wanted to add I love that because then you can be responsible for yourself. You're not just taking other people's information, which is a good thing in all these outdoor activities. Um, Okay. So we were talking about like harder terrain, like shoots or powder or trees or moguls or, you know, name the hard thing. Um, First off, I do want to hear funny stories later on of just like absolute yard sales or something like that. But when you guys are like, like, if you're thinking back on your experience, where things have either gone really well or haven't gone well. Can you reflect back on anything that like helped you kind of build confidence on that harder terrain? Me getting into like snowboarding out West is just so uh, 
unconventional. Like my first time out West was Jackson Hole. I'd never left Sunburst. So like, I just like truly threw myself into it. And like, I had never done a real tree run until we were in Jackson Hole and I just did it and it was fine. And so then I kept doing it and just like kept pushing it a little more. So I like, I feel like I just, I don't really, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just out there doing it, which is so funny. Okay. But, like, <laughs> but you made a good point in the sense that like you started a little bit and then built, like you didn't do the hardest, longest tree run out there, but you like started with a section at the bottom of some blue route and then like you were good at it and you kept building. So I think that is a really good technique actually. Yeah. yeah so I guess I, that's, I, that's I what I did without realizing it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I would say I watched people. Like my dad is a really good skier and he was always like, this is what you should do. Or um, our, our really good friend, Matt Kramer is a great skier and he kind of knows every little thing. And sometimes he'll just be bopping around or whatever. And I'm like, Matt, how'd you do that? Um, and he's like, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I always say swish the grape um, when you're turning and you want to really just make sure that like you're flexing with your calf on a um, thing. So swishing the grape and like really pushing down on your downhill ski. Um, I think learning from people is super helpful. So kind of like Liz, like just doing it, but also asking questions and don't be afraid. I always say no questions, a stupid question, but I don't know. I think yeah. those are the two things. I love it. I think one thing I've been trying to do out West more is like find little things to jump off of, which I was just saying, like, I can't break my wrist, but I still freaking love to do it. So I'm like slowly building my confidence, but I always say like, I want to at least do one little cliff thing while I'm out there. And I think the biggest thing is to have maybe someone do it before you. So like mm -hmm. you, like someone who's a little bit more confident, obviously you don't want to just like volunteer rando be like, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, that way you can see like, okay, what's the landing like? Like, is it way faster than we thought it was? You kind of get like a lay of the land a little bit before, and then they can yell up to you. Like, look, you want to pop your knees up way more than we thought you need to or whatever. So that's one thing and, I've and, noticed. And scout it and scout it beforehand too. That's, I think like, that's, Sometimes I have this, I'm a little impulsive on the ski hill and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go send it. But then I'm, but then one, one time I was like, even recently, I was like, I'm going to go send that cliff. And my friends, Matt, Sean and Spencer were like, Elizabeth, that's a terrible landing. Like, they're like, let's go down and see what it looks like. So you don't break your neck or break your <laughs> something like yeah. that, um, which is not funny to joke about at all, because those are really real things. Or you never know when you'll be in so much deep power that you're going to go into a tree well or something. Um, yeah. so scouting is important after sending somebody else first. Yeah. I remember, uh, Elizabeth, you remember that one time in Steamboat where you went off that little baby jump? It was small, but it, it was really big <laughs> with a lot of speed and you gave yourself a black eye. And yeah. I let oh you my go gosh. first and I was like, oh, thank God I didn't do that first. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. It's where my impulsivity kicks in. And I'm like, oh, that's too small. I can just send that. And then you're just like, your knees pop up or something and something yeah. terrible happens yeah i feel like um, we need we need to know we need the, the listeners need to know that elizabeth is like a little ripper she is like a very <laughs> good skier this is not like yes she's kind of playing it off but she can like really send stuff but just so you guys know like she she knows what she's doing up she's very skilled <laughs> no oh thank you guys that's nice but we're all we all have our strengths and um these Caroline and Liz, they're the best people to ski with. Find the people that you want to ski with forever because that's like important. Super great. Um, that's important. I love it. Anytime, anytime I ski with Elizabeth, I need a day off the next day. 
off days are crucial. I think the listeners need to know that you can shred for days and you can be in the best shape of your life, but even ending a little earlier or sleeping in a little bit is crucial to keep your season, <laughs> keep your season going. Um, and there's just some other things to explore in cities. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's what we did. Okay, I was going to ask, do either of you guys get altitude sickness? I bet, Elizabeth, now that you live out west, probably less so, but do either of you guys deal with that when you go out west? No, I just get buzzed faster, which isn't really a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, no altitude sickness, though. I don't mind getting buzzed after two beers. That's not a problem. But um, I think if, if anything, I do have a harder time, like, falling asleep, but I don't sleep well in general. But no, nothing crazy for altitude. Um, Missoula's at a lower, like, Missoula's at a, like, 3,000 elevation, like, elevation, and so when I go to Colorado occasionally, if I don't drink enough water, I occasionally do, but it's kind of the same as Liz. That's funny, oh. though. Yeah, I get super bad altitude sickness, so that's something I really have to be mindful of, like, it's genetic, my, both my parents have really bad altitude sickness, and so, like, mine's a lot, I'm, like, hung, it feels like I'm hungover for, like, like the worst hangover I've ever had for like three days straight. So that's something I have to deal with, but like not that many other people have to deal with it. So it is what it is. That's just something I always no, have to tell my kids. I think I remember that. Didn't you have that in Jacksonville? I feel like I remember she had it. I think she had a pretty, you had it pretty badly. I thought one day. Yeah, but I don't, probably. I think you, I think you masked it. Yeah, <laughs> you were just so. super hungover, but I thought I remember <laughs> the one day being like, I am unwell. It could have gone either way because we, that was. Honestly, I don't remember. Crazy. I remember Jackson being fine, but like anytime I ski in Colorado, literally even Steamboat, which isn't in Summit County, I, I am like pretty bad, like migraine level. Like I can't even see sometimes it's that bad. Well, you're on the mountain. Well, it's like really, I can't sleep very well. So that carries over like a couple of days of bad sleep is no fun. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, I have, I now have stuff to take for it, which really helps. But like, yeah, it will really affect skiing sometimes. Like I'll cut days short. So I don't like go up in altitude too quickly. So like one time I went to copper copper's base, I think is at what, like nine, five or something. Mm -hmm. It's really high or maybe 10. I don't even know, but um, yeah, I drove in we skied copper and then I went straight to the top of the mountain like didn't even think about it because I wasn't sick at that point like it takes a little bit to hit me and then um the next day I was like so sick I couldn't ski for three days like it was and that, I walked right into that you know like that was classic yeah. but like I was like so sick like couldn't see couldn't hold stuff down like it was really bad so I guess one thing to think about is like if you do have one person in your group or you are that person in the group it blows to have altitude sickness because no one takes it seriously and then also just like take your time like that's the thing I have to do now is like sometimes I don't even ski the first day I go out there which sucks but it is I feel way better than later or um ski a half day that's what I'll do some of our friends have been bringing like collapsible water bottles with them and I think that's like I don't drink enough water at all I always think I should just I'll come back to the car I'll buy a, some a water bottle at lunch but bringing some collapse, collapsible water bottles and some ibuprofen with you on the mountain is, I don't know. Okay, this is funny, really quick, and then I'll let you go, Liz, but I do that now. I bring a collapsible water bottle, which is such a plug, and then I'll bring, like, my migraine meds and ibuprofen, which are, like, pretty similar but not the same, and it literally sounds like maracas down the mountain because it's, like, the pills <laughs> jangling around. Like, what, Liz, what were you gonna say? Okay, so I was on a ski trip to Breckenridge with Lizzie's cousin, and then, like, 14 other people yeah and so we're there the first night we all ski break one day and then we come back 
you know, we're kind of just drinking casually, hanging out, hot tub, whatever. And then everyone goes to bed because we were skiing Vail the next day. So we were leaving early because we were driving an hour. And it's like 4 a.m. I usually wake up at like five on the ski trips and I go for a run. So I was kind of already like getting ready to wake up. My body knew, but I heard one of our friends puking, which happened to be Lizzie's cousin, <laughs> not to expose him. And he's texting me. He's like, I think I have altitude sickness. Like I just threw up. I don't feel good, blah, blah, blah. So I go to the store, get him some heads. He's just kind of puking all day. He sits back. We're driving to Vail. And one of my friends who is driving rolls down the window and the guy in the passenger seat takes the wheel and he starts puking out the window. So then we're like, oh, this is really weird. Like, I wonder if maybe it was an altitude sickness, blah, blah, whatever. So everyone goes and skis for now the driver. He sat back in the car. And then um, anyways, turns out it was a stomach flu and it was just like slowly one by one. Everyone was like throwing up one after another, one after another. And I'm trying to think of like our four day trip. We skied two days, I think, because we always take an off day and then nobody skied the last day because everyone was throwing up. And it was like, we're in this like million dollar home. Like it's housing 15 people, three bathrooms. And it's just close, open and closing. Everyone's like in and out. But anyways, not altitude sickness. So <laughs> don't forget the hand sanitizer. That'll never hurt. Okay. So um, you guys obviously like have invested a lot in skiing we talked about that earlier like it's an ex- snowboarding skiing it's an expensive sport obviously like huge privilege to do it um what were like the pieces of gear you guys like bought or like upgraded when you started to get a little bit better like what did you kind of start to like replace out or spend more money in I guess in terms of like a snowboard I'm pretty loyal to Burton they've just never done me wrong um but I keep it pretty simple I mean I've had the same board for geez almost a decade probably like I don't, mm-hmm. I go once a year, so it doesn't pay like Elizabeth skis, you know, every single day for the whole winter. So I don't really, for me, it's, it's hard to justify buying a ton of new equipment, but um, I did get a like heated undershirt that that'd be my only plug. It's like battery. Literal <laughs> plug. Yeah, because <laughs> I am so cold on the mountain and there's nothing more miserable. So, I mean, that's like the nicest piece of equipment I've gotten it's more personal than anything but I would say kind of earlier helmet people who ski without helmets boo you need to wear a helmet also the helmet needs to be strapped a helmet that's not strapped is a hat that's my friend saying so a helmet like a helmet that. that's not strapped is basically a hat which I agree I'm um, also team so helmet like why are we not skiing with a helmet I don't understand that like and it's warm it's warm it's so practical <laughs> yeah freaking um you're not wearing a helmet you're not you're not skiing (laughs) the heck that's crazy um let's think the other things that i think are awesome um get you're gonna be living in your ski boots so get a pair of boots that like you can live in that you can be in for not eight hours a day that are warm that know how to work and they help you get and shred down the mountain um, I was a ski racer back in the day, and so I had really tight boots. So when I finally upgraded to some nice, bigger boots, I'm like, oh my gosh, my feet can actually stretch. And like, there's warmth to them. Um, so I think that's a big piece. Get a pair of boots that fit and try multiple on. Um, a lot of shops let you like try them on and then like go out and ski with them on. REI has like a great 365 day return policy. You can buy a pair of boots, go the whole season. And then you're like, oh, I don't like these, return them. Do that because that's the only way you're gonna know if they're good or not. Um, 
And then I think just as like women, um, one of my one of my my cousin's best friends started this company called Skida. Skida. Some people call it Skida. Um, and they're like just like a fun outdoor um women's company with like buffs and headbands and different things. And I think something that's floral and fun or whatever you want to put on, something to cover your face. My face gets super windburn, sunburn. Um, you get cold on cold days. Um show us show the show the people that you're a badass woman skier or snowboarder because that's what's important yeah i I am team i'm team gator big time my face gets so red even with the gator my last piece of equipment different like goggle lenses because on some days it is so hard to Mm -hmm. see if you don't have it um if you don't have like the right ones on i've had it where like mine are way too dimmed and then i can't see anything or like on powder days like you cannot have any sort of like it's got to just be a clear lens Yep. I was going to say that actually, I just got the two big things I got. I actually replaced a lot of gear this year, which is a bummer because I only, my big trip got canceled, but, um, I got magnetic, like the magnetic lens flip, which are honestly, they're awesome. I used to have the IO where you'd like self unlatch everything and like pop it back in, which totally works fine. Like I didn't need the magnetic ones, but they are sweet. So they're a little bit more expensive, but they are really convenient. And like I use, I use goggles for like years on years on years. So I ended up getting those and I literally, they're the Smith mags and I love them. And then I got new um, gloves. I used to be, or I guess mittens. I used to be a glove user and. Do you switch to mittens? Was, yeah, of course. Cause I'm. I, no, I'm mittens are better. Mittens are well, better. I'm glove. I'm glove. I need the dexterity. I only oh, wear mittens if my hands are like way too cold. But I have to, I feel like bind my bindings every time. So like, no, yeah, that makes, sense. makes it that much more. It doesn't make it that much more. I'm being a pain in the ass, but like, I do prefer gloves over mittens. Okay, that's interesting because I used to have gloves too for the same reason. I liked having all my fingers separate. I know that's a weird thing, but then my hands would get so freaking cold, and I yeah, complain about all the time. So I got Hefstra, like, which is a nice brand of like leather mittens where then you get like your own sized, like they size you, I don't know, whatever, but they are That's such fancy. a game changer. Like you can definitely get a way cheaper pair, like at REI or something, but, um, they, they were so worth the money. So yeah. Hefstra's are super nice. Another plug for good gloves are Kinko's. Um, mm-hmm. they're like the construction-y glove, but like, those are really nice. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people out West wear them. Um, I think it's fun to have different things. I think people who like, it's, it's cool to have different gear. And I think it is good to upgrade too. Um, you need to upgrade once in a while, but it is expensive, but it's fun to talk about the things that we'd yeah. like to have. Um, a, a good yeah. time to buy too. Um, like I just bought the other thing I got this season is I got Gore-Tex, a Gore-Tex shell and snow pants. So, which definitely I don't need living in the Midwest. So I'll be completely honest, but I do eventually want to get into backcountry and I needed new stuff because my old stuff was too small. So I was like, well, if I'm going to buy it, I might as well just like get ready for that. And mm-hmm. I bought everything in September and it was crazy good deals. Like I got Arcteric snow pants for like 70% off and my mountain hardware shelf for probably 70% off. So that, that's the time they're trying to get rid of everything before they launch it all in October. So September is a really good time to buy just as a the shoulder pack. season. The shoulder yep. season, September and right now, like April and May yep. are the two really good times to buy. Um, I think with your comment, Caroline, with like some new pants, some um, said Gore-Tex pants, I think too, like, I don't know if anyone of the, our listeners get really cold, but um, I sometimes get super cold on my like chest and like my bottom area. So bibs are also a really good option. Um, to That's what I bought. And I think, yeah, they're awesome. And when you get into 
you just have more pockets. I have lots of stuff to stuff in. Well, the reason, sunscreen. The reason I bought bibs is a little bit different because um, I had this pair of snow pants. They were really nice, but like, or they were, they worked well for me, but they were too small. And so whenever I would go into like a little squat to ski, you know, like in your active stance, they would always pop open because they were a button close. <laughs> so it was like literally the most demeaning thing ever a snow pant could ever do like pop open in the middle of a run like how rude so I would tie them clothes with like paracord because that's like just what I had on me and so I had this like belt and like popped open snow pants I was like never again will I deal with my snow pants popping open like how dumb so oh that's why I went bibs because I was like I won't have to worry about it anymore oh I don't think I can go fun. to bibs I don't think I can go to bibs we are, yeah, you're a mittens user or a gloves user and you're a freaking regular snow pant user. Yeah, I, was, I, I, have the, I have a small bladder, so bibs I feel like would be really annoying. Okay, but the pair I have though has a butt flap and so you just like <laughs> butt flap it open. It's amazing. Oh. All right, maybe, maybe I could be convinced because I do run super cold. So I could actually probably forgo the battery pack undershirt. And just <laughs> I'll think on it, I'll think on it. Wait, Caroline, what pair did you buy? Uh, they're per the they're the Arteryx um like touring bibs. I don't know the exact brand name off the top of my head or like um model yeah. name, but yeah, they have a zipper that goes like from the very top of the bibs to like the low like thigh, and it's perfect because you can literally zip that baby all the way down. I was curious because so my pair of bibs that I have too is from True, um, and Flylo also has a pair, um, and they actually have a, a zipper at the base of your butt so you just zip it no. so then your no butt cracked, is like actually no open. cracks zip. no mine's like a side <laughs> thing that I have to like I have to kind of wiggle out of but it, it it works just fine yeah but um okay this is good I like that everyone kind of has a different thing Liz do you have any interest in getting into backcountry I know Elizabeth you have obviously some experience but do you have any interest in doing it or split board at all no, yeah I would absolutely love to it's hard to just like I'm not I would have to rent and like go with people who are super yeah. experienced just because I only get out west once a year but um yeah hopefully at some point in my life I don't think I'll ever do it you know like routinely just yeah hopefully once or twice in my life yeah Elizabeth can you talk to us about how you made that yeah I would love to for sure when I'm done okay. with dental school I told myself that's kind of like the next project I just don't have the time money or bandwidth to like learn the skill set but I'm super interested in it for sure can you tell us like the steps you took to get into it like what courses you took what experience you did Definitely. Um, I, so I got into it like about, just about three seasons ago. Um, it was like height of COVID and a lot of ski resorts weren't open and I had just moved to Missoula. Um, so it was like uh, November, December of 2020. And um, I had been thinking about it for the last year or so. Um, but most, first and foremost, like take an Abbey course. Um, you really need the knowledge. Um, I also got a book from a friend, um, I'll pull it out after it's called like getting into avalanche terrain or something. And it's super helpful. Staying um, alive in avalanche yeah, terrain. Stay, yep, it's, it's a yep. great book to read. Yeah. So I think that's super helpful. Um, so I got that book, took an Abbey course, um, which given an Abbey course is like pretty expensive. And I understand that, but also if you are a student at the time, a lot of like universities do student run courses that are um, a little bit less expensive um I think those are the two main things going out with people of all like age levels like I kind of said before um but I was just like I want to get into something I want to be able to not I really was like kind of against like paying for a ski pass um because passes are expensive um I know some of my friends are team icon and team epic and those are great but they're also pretty pricey 
um, and in Missoula, especially, there's so much great backcountry skiing around here. Um, the main like M hike that we all did together, um, or like the L people hike and ski jumbo and Sentinel. And I just wanted to get out there and it's a great workout. Um, so I, I also know that it's expensive. So I did buy a lot of things used. Um, I bought my boots used or my, my skis used. The only thing I splurged on were boots. And now I love it. I get out all the time. I think it's really good to, I think, it's, I think it's also really fun to teach people how to do. Um, and I had like one of my best friends in Missoula, grew up in Missoula, learned how to ski like a couple years ago. And now she's a great backcountry tele skier. And yeah. That's so it. cool. Um, safety equipment wise, could you just run through like what you use and like what you recommend? And obviously this is like, this goes without saying, but we're not professionals. So like take this all with a grain of salt and like do your research yeah. from a, from a paid professional, but like safety wise, what do you use? And stuff? I know um, it's a little bit confusing. Main three are shovel beacon and probe. Um, so shovel, obviously what it sounds like beacon, um, is like a tracker that you wear on your body, um, that transmits a signal, um, so that you can, you're always like being, you're able to be searched if you are caught in an avalanche. And then when you're, colleagues and your friends are out there. And if you are caught in an avalanche, um, they can go into send mode and they can try to find you. Um, I think the best one for that, there's a lot of good ones, but there's like a BCA, like backcountry one that's really great. Um, and then a probe, which is like a long, like ruler kind of thing. It's just this long stick that helps you like search for um, people and different things. Um, those main three things and a backpack um, to hold everything. Um, you don't need the biggest and best thing but um, that, those are the four main things I think you need. Yeah, and the boots are a little bit different because they have the walk, or could you explain yeah, how the boots so, are a little bit different than resort stuff? Definitely, so um, on a backcountry 8T boot, you're gonna have like a walk mode and a ski mode. And um, that also corresponds to the binding you have as well. So you do need like, if you do wanna get into backcountry skiing, you need like new bindings. You don't need new skis, but you do need new bindings and boots. Those are the two things that you do need um for backcountry skiing and you need skins um skins are the like horseshoe horseshoe um hairs that go on the back of your skis when you're walking uphill but um for the boots you need something that is able to let your heel be free um when you're walking up the hill because you don't want to be stagnant walking up the hill like this that really doesn't work um so having your heel be free is super important and then there's basically two different types of bindings frameless bindings and frame bindings Frame bindings means that when you're walking uphill, so it's a little heavier, um, but the price point is a little lower. Um, so then frameless bindings is that you're just walking up with your just your toes connected and your heel is free, but your your binding is still just on the ski. So that's like pretty nice, but those can run for like 800 plus for just the bindings. So they're a little bit more expensive. Sweet. Thanks for going over that. I feel yes. like it's a little bit convoluted and everyone's got their own system. And then split boarding it's whole, is its whole whole different territory I don't even know where to start with that we yeah, should just do a whole ask. different like I wouldn't even know I wouldn't yeah, even know yeah is kind of the same well, kind of the same too I have a lot of friends that slipboard but um same things that you would need but then it's just like um like cutting a pair cutting your snowboard in two because you're basically you're 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 being a skier for once in your life and you're walking uphill like a, you would a skier and then you put it together and kind of clap it. so it's yeah. kind of similar with the stuff yeah. that you need and one thing I guess we didn't really talk about, but like a lot of us have done hikes, like you start in the resort and then you hike up to an area that's like 
still I guess technically like in bounds for the resort so like avalanche wise it's a little bit safer but um it's like still a bit more extreme so that's like a nice bridge I guess is like the hiking and maybe there there is some backcountry access especially like Jackson Hole and stuff but that's a whole different tier but you can kind of get a taste of some of this stuff um with maybe a little bit less risk depending on like all the conditions and everything but if you're looking I think one thing I really love to do is like try to hike or find some safe like and check the snow reports and everything but some safe um kind of terrain that's a little bit less used I guess I'm not saying it very well but you know what I mean I'm thinking of like steamboat all those shoots off the ends and stuff like that any yeah. boot pack like the snow is so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> which that that is enough to make you want to get into backcountry I think if you can at least get like one little like good run on fresh snow you'll be like oh my gosh and I think too, like related to that, Liz, is like a lot of people here in like the Missoula and Montana area, if they don't want to, if they want to get into backcountry skiing, but they're a little nervous about all the prices, a lot of my friends either boot pack some things or go with their snowshoes. Um, and so like, that's a little price point that you can like, kind of like, you already have snowshoes, your family has it. And you're just like, attach your um, skis on the back of your backpack. And there's two different ways you can A-frame it. So kind of like this, which is easy. But that way you can still like be able to ski down and maybe the only thing yeah. you need is a beacon um, for those lower angle, low terrain areas. Yeah. One thing that we're trying to think about doing in the Midwest is getting uphill access from for some smaller resorts. So learning still the transition of like skinning up the ski, like a ski resort, like a smaller ski resort, skinning up and then transitioning from the skins to like skiing. I know that transition can be hard for some people. So we're thinking about maybe doing some uphilling, which I know is not backcountry skiing, but has a component to it. So. No, that's, that's all like backcountry skiing is the uphill portion too. So I think that's a great idea. If you need, yeah. if you need any help, that would be great. That's really cool. Oh, I, will. I love that. I definitely will. That's, <laughs> that's really cool. Maybe we'll get Liz out. We'll do a little uphilling. Yeah, that, well, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great, that's a great way for people to like learn and then feel more comfortable at West. So yeah, like, that's what Tommy, my boyfriend recommended. He's getting into it a little bit and that's something that we were talking about. So yeah, super cool. I know Mount Bohemia, which is a six ski resort up in the UP, will do a little bit of it, but well, I mean, we could talk about this stuff forever. Guys, I want to get into some fun stuff as we wrap up here. So we're going to play a game of Would You Rather Ski Edition. So buckle up. Um, Liz, I want you to answer this first one first, and then we'll, we'll go from there just to change it up a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, um, would you rather ski trees or ski bowls? Trees. Okay. I'm a whore for trees. <laughs> like, honestly, bury me in the trees on, on, on a snow run. Oh my gosh. It is like one of my favorite feelings of all time. I'm a, I'm in a hundred, I'm in a hundred percent agreement, agreement, a hundred percent. Trees are really? the best, but don't, but don't bury me in because there was just that really scary story in Washington. Yeah. So maybe don't bury me in. Yeah. Trees. Heads up for tree wells, especially this season. There's a lot of snow. Low key. I really like bowl skiing. I don't know why, but I love trees too. I don't, I think it's hard to pick. Would you guys rather go for in for a bevy, like go into the lodge and get like a bloody Mary halfway through, or would you rather do operate at the end, like tailgate in the parking lot at the end? Operate at the end, tailgate, like no questions asked. I'm kind of split right now. Um, I used to be operate at the end, all ski any day, but honestly, like lately, it's like, damn, a Bloody Mary at eleven o'clock. Sounds kind of nice. Okay, I love when the resorts have like live music or like you know the fires outside and stuff like that. We can just kind of like really debrief on your day, and it's such a well-earned beer. That's probably the best part. Like it's so mm -hmm. deserving. 
Yeah. What I was going to say is um, the stories at the end. I think it's not even like when the drink is, it's like the quality of content that you're coming with at 11 a.m. versus like 5 p.m. The 5 p.m. stories are way better because you know if it hits the fan at like 2 p.m. Everyone has such a different perspective. That's the best part. You look like a group of eight people. You're like, so how was your day? Like, what did you get out of it? And it's like, you didn't even know half what happened. (laughs) So to pawn off that question, then are you guys, I'm going to ask this to you guys, would you rather go in for lunch or are you chairlift lunch people? Like, no, we're probably all packing our lunch. Probably. I'm thinking of all of us, but are you you going into the lodge or are you? No. Eating on the mountain, eating on the mountain. We like to stop like in the trees somewhere. We did this in Jackson Hole. And and I'm a sucker for that ever since. Okay. I will say it depends on the weather. If I need to, I like to go in because warming up is just a delicacy. Honestly, it's like so nice to warm up, but if I'm totally fine, warmth wise definitely finding like a cool little hideout in the trees is so and just like throwing snowballs at your friends is so fun during lunch I guess I do like to stop though for lunch like some people eat on the lift and that's totally fine but like I kind of do like to stop for like at least 20 minutes just to like just chill and drink water and stuff but I know some hardos just ski I was just gonna all say, day. I agree I'm not trying to eat on the lift and then keep going like I can sacrifice one run to just like enjoy my sandwich yeah totally yeah I agree. Guys, we need to go so many soon together. We really yes. do, truly. Amazing. Let's go on, let's um, plan a winter ski trip this upcoming winter. Say less, say less, I'm there. Yeah, I'm all yeah. There. Cool. Guys, thank you so much for all the tips, tricks, silly stories. I feel like we're going to ski together hopefully forever. And I'm so grateful for just, we ski a lot with guys, but this group is like so fun to ski with and snowboard with and just chill. So I really appreciate you guys coming and giving advice and all the good stuff. So thank you. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks for having us, Caroline. This was awesome.